morning, everybody. This is Victoria, your dog guru. And today we're talking about mistakes owners make and how to avoid them. At the top of my list, I'm going to tell everybody that I am not a huge proponent of having your dog off leash, especially if it's not in a fenced in area. My reasons for this though, kind of run a little deeper than it's, it could be a, a training problem. First of all, there are a lot of people out there that are afraid of dogs for starters. And then there's the factor of you and your dog may have a really good bond going together, but perhaps they see a small animal or a small dog or a small child and they have a really strong prey drive. Well, right there, you're going to run into a lot of problems. And then if your dog isn't totally trustworthy as it is, you're really adding a, a whole series of elements and an open door to bad behavior. Because if you don't have your dog under full control, I can tell you that you're setting the scene for a disaster that could have been avoided. Um, I've seen over the years people, and this is including dogs that I had in training, would be essentially emotionally under fire because a neighbor dog would just be like running around and perhaps without even the owner present. I mean, I know for me, it's a huge pet peeve when I see dogs just running all over the property and it's not fenced and the dog could easily get hit by a car, but it could also hurt somebody or knock them over. So for me, not a behavior I advocate for. There are plenty of fenced in areas where you can let your dog run around and play with them at large distances. But in my opinion, if you don't have a fenced in space, you shouldn't have your dog off leash. That's my opinion. So let's talk about something that only affects your own home, and that's potty pads. I, I guess eh, 20, 30 different owners, maybe more than that, but offhand that's who I can remember, that used potty pads. And at the same time, they would kind of disclose to me, okay, well, the dog doesn't consistently go to the bathroom on the potty pad, and oh yeah, he's pottying everywhere else in the house. So just to give you a little insight on why I don't recommend potty pads, the reason I don't recommend them is because it actually is a counterintuitive process. While it may on the surface seem really convenient, you know, you're really teaching the dog to go to the bathroom inside the house. And if you have any intention of ever giving your dog out access outside of the house, then you really just want to start that process and never start with potty pads. So if you have potty pads at home, I'm going to give you the advice that I gave to every client that used them, and that's toss them out or donate them. <laughs> you want to be really consistent with a dog. The earlier you start them on a routine and going outside and rewarding them when they go to the bathroom outside, you're going to eliminate your need to worry about accidents because they're going to have a really good structured foundation of what potty training looks like. And then alongside that, for me, people who don't believe in crates because they're like, oh, they're evil, they're horrible. Well, it's all in how you present it to the dog. Um, I would never recommend keeping a dog in it all day long or not making it a pleasurable experience. You know, you can put a peanut butter filled bone in there. You can um, make it brief crate periods. But the crate is a great tool to start the potty training process because it teaches the dog to keep itself clean. Crate is adequately sized for the dog. And it also really starts and connects, well, it really connects very well with the denning instinct. And so for me, crate training can be a worthwhile investment. I think that, you know, 
it's all it's all well and good if you can get a dog house trained without it. I mean, plenty of people have done that. But if you have any sort of work schedule, it definitely simplifies the process. Also, something you might not be thinking about with crate training, puppies are precocious and they're extremely busy. So if they basically have access to the whole house in your absence, chances are they're going to either chew on a cord or ingest something that you won't be around to stop. And so there's an element of safety. You know, I don't ever recommend that you have a collar on a dog when you put them in the crate. And I also don't ever want people to tether their dogs within a crate. I talked about that in a previous episode. But crates themselves can be really safe environments, especially when the association is done properly. And the process is not a combative process and the crate is not used for punishment for them. You know, they'll express comfort by staying in their crates. And a lot of times, and I did this with our greyhounds, you know, I'd leave the crate door open and when they got tired or stressed, they just walk into their crates and take a nap and then they come back out. So for that reason, I always recommend using a crate, especially if you have a dog that has no experience in the house, whether it's a puppy or a rescue uh, or an older dog, as long as they don't have um, a high level of anxiety or, you know, with living in a crate because there are some dogs that aren't candidates for crates and they're more, you kind of just have to work with what you've got. But if, if you don't have a dog that has anxiety that is really centered around being in a crate to begin with, I think it's a great aid and it's something you can always phase out later, but once you've established the routine, it can just be a really useful tool. So that's my, that's my two cents on crates. Another really important thing about owning a dog that you have to be realistic about is that you're going to exercise the dog adequately for their breed, for their energy level, and for your sanity. Because if they don't get enough energy released and they don't have enough exposure to the outside world where they can have that sensory overload that only comes from a walk or a run, you could end up with obsessive behaviors. You can end up with obsessive you know, well, actually you could end up with a barkaholic because they have all of this unexpired, um, unexpressed energy. So when you think about it in terms of different breeds, you know, like a chihuahua wouldn't just need a good walk around the block. But then if you have a breed like a lab, they have a lot more energy. They need a lot more exercise. So you have to be realistic and make sure that you can accommodate your dog's needs. The next thing I want to talk about is socialization. And the reason I want to talk about this is it's sometimes overlooked, especially if you have an owner that doesn't perhaps understand how important it is to do uh, and in what context and environments you should be doing it in. So socialization is ideally done when the puppy is going through imprint periods, but it can be something that you have to work on later on in life. But socializing needs to be done in a constructive manner. You don't want to be socializing your dog at, say, like a dog park. That's not a good place to do it. Do it in a structured way, such as like a group class where they use positive reinforcement and the trainer is aware of how to keep dogs apart from each other when when they need to be and they, they know how to pick up on the signals of when a dog is too stressed or perhaps overstimulated. But socialization in 
its most general sense means exposure. So it'll be exposure to different types of people, different types of dogs, different types of animals, environments, sounds, everything you can think of. The more well-read a dog is on exposure, the easier it is for them to manage emotions and feel confident regardless of what they may be facing each day. So it's definitely an important thing that I'd never want to see an owner overlook. It's also a great time to do desensitization work where you mess with their paws and play with their ears. Nothing forceful, but just consistently kind of annoying them so that they get used to it and always replace it with something positive. So if you're messing with their ears, then you stop and you relax and you give them some food or you play with them. You don't keep at it until they snap. The more things they're exposed to and are relaxed around, the less stress they'll be long-term, but it also helps them really build up their confidence level and start feeling like they can handle any situation. It's essentially a self-esteem booster. My last tip is actually for people who have demanding dogs. So I see this a lot, or I saw this a lot when I was actively working with clients, and their dogs would tell them when they wanted to eat and when they were going to be played with and when they were going to get affection instead of the owner offering these behaviors. And there's a few problems with this. First of all, if you don't control the dynamic, and I don't mean in an abrasive way, but if you don't control the dynamic, your dog is essentially training you. They are brilliant. Uh, some are smarter than others, but they definitely are resourceful and they're problem solvers. And with all of that in mind, if they're making demands on you, you're probably seeing a lot of unsavory behaviors on top of that, like a lot of barking or not coming back when you call because there isn't a level of understanding and mutual respect. If you have a super demanding dog, the first recommendation I have for you is to do structured feeding. And you can actually email me and I'll tell you all about how to do that. Uh, but it's a very simple process on teaching your dog essentially self-control. And you can do it in a really passive way. It's a really short exercise, very easy to do. And if you do it on a regular basis, you'll be instilling in them their first off switch. So that's part A. Part B would be if you current let them onto any of your furniture, make sure they have no access to it anymore. If you see them on, kick them off. Um, you need to take away, height gives a dog authority in their mind. So, you know, you don't want to give them access on your bed or on your couch when they aren't respecting your space or you. And then my last tip is really kind of a simple one, which is break the cycle. I don't mean tell your dog off. What I mean is break the chain of events where they expect everything. So if your dog starts barking at you because not if they have to go out, I mean, in that context, it's good that they tell you, but you know, if your dog's like, okay, it's five o'clock, where's my food? That's something where I'd wait until 510 when the dog has lost interest or 515 or 530 until the dog has lost interest and stops being demanding. At which point then I'll initiate the feeding process and slowly but surely they're going to figure out by telling me they get nothing, but by leaving me alone, I'll do it on my own. It's never too late to train your dog, so go ahead and start setting a new standard and follow through with it. Sooner or later, your dog is going to get with the program. You just have to give them some time to handle the small adjustments you're asking for. I want to thank everybody for listening. I know we have a bunch of new subscribers, which is awesome. I want to thank Podbean for featuring us all week this week. I hope everybody's having an amazing holiday and lots of fun with their families and their pooches at home. If you have any questions for me, please email me at dogguruhereforyou at gmail.com. And as always, 
Be sure to subscribe and share us with your friends and family so that we can continue growing this community. And then be sure to join us on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash dog guru podcast. Um, couple of big announcements. We next year are going to have an amazing guest. I can't even believe that she's interested in being part of the show, though I am honored. You've heard me reference her books a million times. And if you haven't already checked out, check out her book, The Other End of the Leash by Patricia McConnell. So she will be joining us in February right before her new book drops. So very excited to have her. So that's coming in the new year. And then we also next week have a guest coming on the show who is a dog rescuer. She she works on rescue and she's got lots of questions for me. So tune into that. It's actually going to air on Monday afternoon. And then of course, if you have any other questions for me, comments, or you love the show, please send them to me. I would love to get them. Also, if you've enjoyed this show or previous episodes, please go ahead and rate us on iTunes. You can find us there we're on spotify we're on stitcher we're on podcast addict you can find us everywhere but rate us on itunes the more ratings we get the better they are the more exposure we'll get so i appreciate everybody who has been doing that thus far so thanks to everybody that's already done that And my very last announcement is for all of our listeners. If you're interested in being a part of the show, perhaps you'd like to be live with me on air, go ahead and send me an email at you. Who knows? Maybe your story is exactly what I've been looking for. Until then, that's it for me today, everybody. This has been Victoria, your dog guru. Namaste.